All right, all right, all right. Hey, it's good to see everybody again here. Hey, if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open up your Bible or turn it on to Galatians chapter 6. Okay, now if that's a new book for you, Galatians is kind of in the middle of the New Testament. Um, so don't be afraid to use a table of contents or whatever, but Galatians chapter 6 is where we're going to get to in just a minute. But before we get there, uh, I want to talk about the walking dead invasion that is this Saturday. Who is fired up? Man, I'm fired up. Now, um, now, if you're, like, if you're new and you're like, whoa, I heard this church was weird, walking dead, they were right, this is weird. Um, what that is, it's a massive event for middle school, high school students. Uh, it's a big outreach event, man. We're just doing all kinds of stuff for this event this Saturday. We're going to give teenagers an opp- opportunity to respond, meet Jesus, change lives. Man, it's going to be a big deal. Here's what we need. Uh, if you want to still provide snacks, you can bring those. We asked several, we asked, uh, announced it last Sunday. Uh, people are bringing things. That's why there's all kinds of food and things out there right now stacked on those tables. If you want to provide snacks, maybe chips, uh, that sort of thing, cookies, drinks in cans, uh, bring those. You can contact our associate pastor, Sam Bear, or you can message Fa- uh, Summit on Facebook if you have questions about snacks. We are still looking for about 15 people to help us out with this event, okay? So if you want to help out with that, uh, put, you can put on the back of your connection card today, I want to help out with the Walking Dead invasion or whatever, and we will contact you. You can contact Summit through Facebook. You can ask any of our volunteers that are at the tables there in the lobby after the service. But we need at least 15. If we can get way more than that, oh man, that's awesome. But we need at least 15. Here's what you need to know. The event starts this Saturday, 6.30, right here in this parking lot. We'll have school buses here in this parking lot. We are busing uh, middle school, high school students over to the evacuation zone. That's what we're calling Twin Rocks Bible Camp. It's going to be a big deal. If your students are going to come, we hope to have them back in the parking lot here at the forum for you to take them home uh, by 10 o'clock that night. It's going to be a quick in-your-face event, and we want to get them back really early uh, for you. And so if you want to help out with that event, man, we are looking for at least 15 more people. Uh, Let somebody know out there. Put it on your card. Send us something on Facebook. Let's go. Let's step up as a church. Let's let God use us, and let's watch what he does next Saturday. It's going to be a really big deal. I'm really excited about it. I hope you are too, okay? So that's next Saturday. Um, Also, there's tons of Walking Dead uh, invite cards out there. Let's get rid of every one of those today. Every one of those, every middle school, high school student in the room right now, take all of those and just assault your campus this week. Get your friends here, 6.30, this coming Saturday night. It's going to be a big deal. Hey, I'm going to pray for us. I want to pray and uh, ask God to really get our hearts ready for what I think he's going to do here in, this, uh, in our time together today, and we'll uh, jump forward. Let's pray real quick. Dear Jesus... Jesus, right now, we just pray that, God, you would speak to us right where we're at. I bet there's somebody in this room, they are really distracted because of life. I bet there's somebody in this room, God, they're they're searching for answers. Or maybe there's somebody in this room, and God, they really don't know what got them in the seat today, but here they are. God, you know where every one of us are today. And God, you you can take what I'm saying and make it custom. You can custom make this sermon. For every person, regardless of their age, regardless of their background, regardless of what they're facing, God, I pray that you would just take what's about to be said and make it custom made for every person. God, so that we would know, God, you have met with us. And Father, that's all we want is for you to meet with us. Because when we meet with you, we're never the same. 
In your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, Galatians 6, hopefully you guys are there. Uh, if not in your uh, Bible, hopefully you are on your phone or wherever you're using for your Bible today. And, um, you know, I, in, in preparation for today, I was thinking about some things that stick together. I, I, was, I was thinking about today, because I know where we're going to go today, I was thinking about uh, some things that stick together, some things that are made to connect. Because I don't know if you, if you know this or not, there are things that are made to stick with other things, Right? There, there are things that are made to connect with other things. I'll give you some examples just so we can all think on the same page. Legos. Legos, right? Legos are made to what? To connect. Legos are made to stick together, right? And so if you, maybe you're here today, you don't have a home security system or anything, what I would recommend is just dump Legos on your floor every night before you go to bed, and whoever steps on those, they'll at least curse so loud you'll know they're in the house, right? There is nothing worse than stepping on a Lego when all God's people said, amen. So, but Legos are made to stick. I'll give you, I'll give you um, another example, and you can, uh, if you know me, you can tell that, um, that this is just from my heart. Oreos and milk, right? Oreos and milk. I mean, when, when you think of one, maybe you think of the other. I mean, they so go together, they're on the package of Oreos, right? You think Oreos, some of you think milk. Some of you, when you think milk, you think Oreos. I don't know if you're like me. When you're, if you're like me, I just think Oreos. And it doesn't matter because Oreos are a gift from God. One of the million proofs that God loves us is Oreos. One million and one are double-stuffed Oreos. Hallelujah. Listen, the book of Revelations talks about the marriage supper of the Lamb when you and I, all God's people that he redeems, were there at this big table celebrating how Jesus saves us at that dinner table. Double stuffed Oreos. I'm just saying. Hallelujah. I don't know who wooed, but I'm with you. Here's another one. I'll give you another example of puzzles. Puzzles, right? Puzzles are made to stick together. They connect, right? I mean, there's nothing worse, really, than losing that corner piece. That seems to be what you're always looking for. But they're just made to go together. I'll give you one more example. Duct tape and anything, right? Any Duct tape and anything. Some of you, you got a hole in your automobile, and you fixed it with duct tape. You just patched that baby up with duct Some of you, the reason that your house is still together right now, you just duct tape that bad boy together, and you said, that'll last. That'll last, right? You, some of you in, are in here, you have a duct tape wallet. Anybody ever have a duct tape wallet? There you go. Hands are going up. Duct tape purse. Some of you, your clothing is on right now. Duct tape. Your, things are being held in position. Duct tape, right? Right? Uh, in, fa in fact, when I was putting this together, I Googled duct tape, something that I honestly don't recommend because you'd be surprised what comes up when you Google duct tape. But I did find some amusing things. I'll show you two of them. Look at this right here. Look at this. Look at that cat. Oh my gosh, this has nothing at all to do with the sermon. I just felt like as the pastor I needed to show you this. What a bad day for that cat. Oh my, isn't that awful? Oh my goodness. Hey, if you think that's bad, look at the next one. <laughs> I, don't, I, can't really, I can't really legally recommend that, but the next time you have babysitter issues, you can't find one, there you go, I'm just saying. Um, can you believe that? Look how horrified that child is. Right now, now if you're here today and this is your child and you did this, I'm, you know, I'm, thanks for putting it on the internet. You know, I don't know, but 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 duct tape, everything goes together with duct. There's just some stuff that's made to stick with other stuff. There are just some things that are made to connect, made to go together. And what we're doing today in part two of our series next, I want us to see by the time that we're done. Today, I want us to see that one of the things that we're made to connect, it's you and me. 
that one of the things that God has made that's supposed to stick, it's us. So I want us to see that one of the things that God's made that's supposed to connect, it's us. See, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but before God created anything, before God created the sun and the moon and the grass and the animals and people, before God created anything, you can read about it in Genesis 1 and 2, but before God made anything, God has always been God. Like, God wasn't promoted to that position. There wasn't a mommy God and a daddy God, and they had a baby God, and he grew up to be God. There wasn't anything like that. Theologians say that God is self-sustaining. What it means is that God doesn't need any outside source to be God. He's not reliant on anything. God is God all by himself, and he's always been God. And I've heard some people say this, though, that the reason God made people is because God was lonely. God needed some friends, so God made people. Well, the problem with that is that God's perfect. God doesn't need anything. Because, see, even before God made anything, God lived in relationship. He still does live in relationship. But God exists, the Bible teaches us, as a trinity. See, there's one God who exists as three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And those three distinct persons come together and make up one God. There's one God who exists as three distinct persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, if you say, wow, that sounds very confusing. That sounds really big. The reason it sounds really big is because God's really big. You and I are never going to get our heads wrapped around who God is. There's never going to come a point in this life or even in eternity when you and I completely figure out God. God has always existed as Trinity before he made anything. There was the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they enjoyed one another's company. They had a good time. There was perfect fellowship and joy and harmony. So God wasn't lonely, but what God did is God began to create everything, and God makes Adam. And if you read Genesis 1, everything that God makes, God looks at it and says, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. Looks at Adam alone, and God says, that's not good. First time God ever said anything that he made wasn't good was when he looked at Adam and saw that Adam was alone. And then we read that God created the perfect counterpart for Adam when he made Eve. And then God, when, when God created Adam, because God made Adam in his image, God made Adam to be a relational being. God saw Adam and Eve together, and he said, that is good. You fast forward a little bit to Genesis chapter 12. God comes to a man named Abraham, and God tells this guy, Abraham, hey, Abraham, from you, I'm going to create as many descendants as the sand on the seashore. I'm going to work through you, but through you, I'm going to create a group of people that I've made to connect with me and each other. And those people were called the nation of Israel. You go a little further into the New Testament. Jesus comes and Jesus is born and he lives, he grows up. And then, and then about the age of 30, Jesus begins his public ministry. And the first thing Jesus does is Jesus calls a group together. And that group is called the 12 disciples. And then after Jesus goes back to heaven, the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus takes that small band of believers, maybe a little over 100 people, at that time after Jesus dies and comes back from the dead. And the Holy Spirit starts the church. Again, a group of people that were made to connect with God and each other. And then if you read the end of the Bible, eternity is God with his people. 
See, God is a God of relationship. And when you and I surrender our lives to God, it connects us first to Him, but then to each other. And so what we're doing in this series is we're talking about four steps that you can take to become the person that God wants you to be. And there's way more steps than these four. But without these four, we're never going to be the person that God wants us to be. So every week is a critical step that God wants us to take towards Him. Last week we talked about baptism. Today is another step. Next week and the week after that throughout this series is a different step. Just four steps that God wants us to take to become the person that God wants us to be. And listen, in order for God to make us who he wants us to be, one of the biggest things that God wants to use in your life and in my life are the people around you today. One of the biggest things that God wants to use in our lives to change us and to shape us and to mold us and to help us grow, it's the church. God wants to use the people around you in this auditorium today to challenge you, to encourage you, to help you grow. You and I will never become the people that God intends for us to be without the other people here today. Because God created us to be a people who are connected together. First to connect to Him, but then to connect to each other. Now some of you are thinking this. Some of you are looking at your life and looking at your church experience and you're saying this, yeah, but Mark, I've had a bad church experience. Mark, I went to church and somebody did something to me. Mark, I went to church, somebody said something to me. I had a bad church experience. And listen, if that's you, you've had a bad church experience, I want you to know I get it. I get it. We've all had bad church experiences. In fact, I would encourage you just to go to church for just a couple of months and you'll have a bad church experience. Somebody will tick you off. Somebody will sit in your seat. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe you have to have a church background to know about your seat, right? Oh, snap. They in my seat. Who they think they is? Right? Just go to church for a little while. Somebody will do something rude. Somebody will say something mean. Just come to Summit for a little bit. And the pastor there, who I hear is kind of crazy anyway, he'll say something stupid. Tick you off. Just come to church for a little bit because church is filled with messy people. You will have a messy church experience. Now, a lot of people have a bad church experience, and they do this. They hit the eject button. Somebody's probably listening to this podcast right now, so let me just talk to our online audience. You're listening to this podcast maybe in the car or at home. You even used to come here, or maybe you used to go to another church, and you had a bad church experience, and you thought the best thing to do is to quit. Maybe you're here in the auditorium, you're looking at me and you've had a bad church experience and you thought the best thing to do was to quit. I don't even know what got you here today. Maybe an invite, something else, but you quit and somehow, some reason, you're here today. But we have bad church experiences and people think, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to quit. Because, here, because here's, here's the world that you and I live in. The world that we live in today it's really popular for people to think, hey, you know what? I can have Jesus but I really don't need the church. Hey, you know what? I love Jesus. Jesus is really cool, but it's the church that gets on my nerves. I need Jesus, but I don't need these other people. And so we even have really spiritual-sounding statements, really, really sayings that sound really spiritual to kind of back this up or to try at least to back it up. So people will say things like this, Brother, if I got Jesus, I don't need nobody else. Some of you say this stuff all the time. Hey, if I got Jesus, I don't need anybody else. Not true. 
Not true. And the reason it's not true is because God never intended for you and I to do life alone. God never intended for you to do life alone. God never intended for me to do life alone. So if you're here today, or maybe you're listening to this online, and you're thinking, hey, you know what? I've had a bad church experience, so I'm quitting church. I'm about to walk away, or I have already dropped out of church. Let me ask you this question, or maybe you can ask somebody that you know that's done this already. How many of you answer this by raising your hands? How many of you have ever had a bad restaurant experience? Raise your hand right now. There we go. Like a hair in your food restaurant. Oh, Oh my gosh, isn't that awful, right? You ever had a bad restaurant experience? We all have. We all have. Now, answer this by raising your hands. How many of you, because of that bad restaurant experience, you quit eating lunch for the rest of your life? Raise your hand. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Well, I ain't ate lunch in 20 years. 20 years ago, I got a hair in my cheeseburger. I hate food. I hate it. I've caught a ban on food in my life, right? That's crazy, isn't it? People do that with church every day. And I bet when we stand before God, we're going to find out that was a bad idea. See, here's what I want to do today, and then I'm going to let us go here in just a few minutes. I want to give us two reasons why you and I can't do life alone. I want to give you two reasons today, and then I'm going to let you go in just a minute or two. I want to, I'm going to give you two reasons why you need the people around you in this room today. And it's all from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. So hopefully you got your Bible open to Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. And let's just read these verses here. It says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Here's going to be the verse we're going to spend the rest of the morning in. Watch this. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let me give you two reasons why you and I can't do life alone. Two reasons why you and I need the people around you today if we're going to become the people that God wants us to be. First reason we need the people around us today is because everyone has a burden. Everyone has a burden. A burden. See, this is a letter to the church in Galatia from a guy named Paul the Apostle. And Paul is writing here. And did you notice what he says in our verse this morning in verse 2? Bear one another's, one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. And that word burden, that word burden that Paul uses, it literally means weight. It, it literally means a, a large weight that you carry. But it isn't just the weight that you carry and pick it up and it's real heavy and then you try to set it down really quick. It's a large weight that you carry and you carry it and you carry it and you carry it and you just can't shake it. You ever had one of those? You ever had one of those? it's, it's It's a burden. It's this weight that you carry in your life and you go to sleep and it's there. And you wake up and it's there. And you eat breakfast, and it's there. And you eat dinner, and it's there. And you go to school, and there it is. You go to work, and there it is. It's a, it's a burden that we carry, and over time, it weighs us down. And when Paul says, bear one another's burdens, he's implying that we all have a burden. I've got a burden. I've got this thing in my life that weighs me down. Maybe it looks like anxiety in my life. Maybe it looks like just anxious thoughts. Maybe I just think about it all the time. It consumes my thoughts. I've got a burden, and so do you. 
What's your burden today? Some of you, the burden in your life, it's a financial situation. You don't know if, you don't know if you're going to be able to make ends meet. You don't know where the next meal is going to come from. You don't know if you're going to be able to pay your bills. It's a financial situation, and you're constantly talking about money. You're constantly worried about money, and it's your burden. You're losing sleep over it. Maybe it's not finances, but maybe it's another family situation. Maybe it's something with your kids. Maybe it's a health issue. And maybe it's not even a health issue for you. Maybe it's a health issue for somebody else that now you're taking care of. And it's just a burden that you're carrying around constantly. Maybe it's something inside that you struggle with and everybody looks at you and they don't even know that this is your burden, but you're still carrying it around. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's, like I said a minute ago, maybe it's some form of, a form of anxiety. And you have panic attacks. Nobody knows it, but that's your burden. It's, maybe, it's, maybe it's depression. Maybe your burden is depression. And listen, I just want to say, in case your church background is that real Christians don't struggle with depression and anxiety, real Christians do struggle with depression and anxiety, right? They do. Absolutely. If that's you here today and you're a believer and you struggle with those things, you're not a second-class Christian for struggling with those things. You read the Bible, and the Bible is filled with men and women that God used who struggled with depression and anxiety. Don't let anybody in church, regardless of how well-meaning they might be, say real Christians don't struggle with that. Real Christians struggle with that. Maybe that's your burden. And, and, and it's a burden that you just carry around. Maybe your burden is sin that you've walked into. It's a choice that you made, and you thought by doing that it would be fun, it would improve your life, you hoped nobody would find out, but now you're, you're reaping the consequences of that decision. It's broke into your life, and now that's the burden you're carrying. Listen, everybody has a burden. But see, here's what we try to do in church, in try, especially in church. In church, what we try to do is we try to fake it like we don't have a burden, don't we? So many times we go to church and we put on a mask and we act like everything is okay, but we know and God knows that it's not. Uh, Halloween's coming up. Anybody have kids that are excited about Halloween? Anybody? My kids are fired up about Halloween, man. Oh, they can't wait. In fact, uh, listen, October 27th is going to be an awesome day here at Summit because it's costume day in Summit Kids, and we're even going to bring all the kids out that want to wear their costumes that day. We're going to let them walk through, and it's just going to be a fun day for all of our kids and Summit Kids that day. But you know what's awesome about Halloween? Is on Halloween, you get to pretend that you're something you're not, right? The fun thing about Halloween is you get to pretend to be somebody that you're not. But the problem, some of us never stop pretending, so we just walk around with a mask all the time, covering up where we really are. And listen to me, I don't care how good you dress it up. I don't care how pretty we try to make ourselves. None of us are as good as we look on Facebook. Amen? Right? Have you ever noticed on Facebook and on Twitter, you only get the highlights, don't you? Have you noticed this? I notice this. I see people all the time. From what I see on Facebook and Twitter, everyone is always eating an amazing dinner. From what I see on Facebook and Twitter, everybody's always cooking their family amazing meals that you've worked all day to prepare. I was thinking about this two weeks ago. Because on a Saturday two weeks ago, for lunch, I had a Hot Pocket. 
And I looked at my Hot Pocket. And I thought about all the people that put on Facebook how good their food is. And I look at my Hot Pocket and I said, you know what? I've never seen anybody tweet a Hot Pocket. I'm going to tweet a Hot Pocket. So I just took out my camera and tweeted a Hot Pocket. And I made sure I put it on, on a styrofoam plate as unattractive as possible. Right? It blew up. It went viral. I'm kind of a big deal because of the Hot Pocket. But we only tweet the highlights, don't we? We try to make ourselves look really good. But see, the world is broken. And eventually, that brokenness is going to make its way into your life in the form of a burden. We've all got one. What's yours? See, so the first thing we need to see from Paul, and more importantly from Jesus, is that everyone has a burden. But then the second thing that we need to see is that we can't carry it alone. We can't carry it alone. Notice what he says here. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. Your Bible might even say, help somebody carry their burden. It means to come alongside of somebody and, and help them carry that weight in their life. It's, 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 like, it's like going to the gym and you need somebody to spot you. You know what I mean? I spend a lot of time in the gym, if you can't tell by looking at me. And um, I don't know why you're laughing. That was rude. And, but you know what a spot is, right? Go to the gym, you need somebody to spot you. Trying to lift some weight, maybe that's, maybe that's too heavy for you to carry. And what your spotter does is they're standing in a position to where they can relieve some of the pressure and help you lift that weight. They take off some of the burden from you. You and I, we need people in our lives who can help us carry the weight of our burden. But see, here's the catch. Here's the catch. The catch is you got to tell somebody what your burden is. The catch is, if somebody's going to carry my burden, somebody needs to know what my burden is. If somebody's going to carry your burden, somebody needs to know what your burden is. Let me ask you a question, and you answer this silently to yourself. Who knows what your burden is? Name them. Name them. Name them in your head. This person knows where I'm at right now. This person knows the issue in my life. This person knows what I'm struggling with. See, you and I, we don't need a spotter in the gym. We need a spotter in life. Somebody that can come alongside and help us with the weight. Somebody that, that acts like a guardrail in our lives. Because you know what a guardrail does? A guardrail keeps everything on the road, keeps you from going over the edge, keeps you from running into the ditch. You need somebody in your life that knows Jesus, loves Jesus, and walks with Jesus, and loves you enough to be a guardrail in your life and challenge you to keep going, to walk away from things that are hurting you, to help you carry the weight of that burden. Who is that for you? Hey, let's get really honest for a second. Let's get really honest. This is why church is a big deal. This is exactly why church is a big deal. Is church perfect? No. Is it messy? Yes. Is it essential? Absolutely. Absolutely is it essential. In fact, I'm going to say something really strong right now, but this is really strong and very true. No one has ever had a strong relationship with Jesus without being connected to Jesus' people. You might want to tweet that. That was awesome. No one has ever had a strong relationship with Jesus who was not connected to Jesus' people. That's why church is a big deal. 
And listen, as the pastor of this church, I want to challenge all of you today. I want to challenge you today. This might not be for everybody. It might be for somebody. I want to challenge you today. If church is an option for you, I want to challenge you to raise the level of importance in your life so that it becomes, it becomes a given in your life that you and your family will be in church. Because listen, if church is an option, something will always come before it, won't it? Right? There will always be something better on TV. There will always be an infomercial with a product that you need. Right? Make shaving your legs painless. Hello? Comes on Sundays at 11. You've got to watch that thing and get it. Something will always come up if church is just an option. And I'm not saying come to church even if you're deathly ill. I'm not saying never take vacation. But I'm saying what if it was, instead of an option, what if it was a priority in your life? I'll challenge every man to make sure their family is in church. All the ladies said amen. I'll challenge every man. If you can Make sure your family's in church. I want to challenge you. If it's an option, raise the level of importance of it in your life and make it a priority. Why? Because church is a big deal. But see, here's the problem. Here's the problem. It is easy to come to church, especially in a place like this, auditorium this big with hundreds of people, close to 500 people here at Summit every single week. It is easy to come to Summit and hide, isn't it? Isn't it? It is. It is easy to come to Summit and hide. That's why the thing that will cause you to stick at Summit and grow at Summit are not my sermons. The thing that will cause you to stick and grow at Summit, it's not the band. The thing that will cause you to stick and grow at Summit It's not the the lights or anything like that. It's not the awesome building that we hope to have one day. The thing that will cause you to stick and grow at Summit are relationships that you build with other people. The thing that will cause you to stick in this church and grow in this church and become the person that God wants you to be in this church, relationships that you build with other people. Watch this video. I want you to go ahead and bring the lights down. Let's watch this video for a second, guys. because I've made so many friends and we're, we're not just a group of people. We're really a family. We have laughed together. We've cried together. And uh, we just really brought each other through a lot of things. I, I really think that you're not a life group. You should be a life group. You're more like your family than anything. It's more than just a Bible study. Uh, it's helped me through some rough times you know, in my life. So I started checking out the not County Life group because a bunch of these crazy people decided to like invite me every single week and so I started coming. It's helped us get close to people in our church family that otherwise without Life groups that we probably would have never known. So now that I've been in Life group so long, like it's been like months and months now, um, it's something we look forward to every week. I think you should get in a Life group so that you you become a smaller version of a much bigger church. There's so many people that, that even as church secretary that I don't know at Summit and, and a lot of the people that's came to my life group, I didn't know before they came to my life group, even though I probably saw them every Sunday. But it takes a very large environment, and it makes it much smaller. And you can grow as a family and as a unit among a very big ocean. You become a much smaller pond in a life group. 
If nothing else, if you don't get anything out of life group, then make sure you come because it's a great stress relief. That's all good. <laughs> So those were not paid actors. Those people are actually here today. Did you know that? Like, we didn't pay them, all right? That's our Knott County Life Group, and life groups are something that we talk about all the time at Summit. I'll tell you, the number one question we get about life groups is this question. What do you do, Adam? Like, what do you do in a life group? Let me tell you what we don't do in life groups. We don't sacrifice kittens, okay? I don't know if you've heard this church is a cult. It's not a cult, okay? Like, we're legit. Okay, we're not sacrificing any kitten, but I do, I do got to say, if it gets dull, that option is always on the table, all right? At least wrap one up in duct tape. But we're not sacrificing kittens. If you're not in a life group, nobody goes to a life group, and on their first day, they don't stand up, hi, my name's Bob, I sell crack to middle school kids, how's everybody doing? You don't do that at all. Here's the beautiful thing about life groups. Here's what makes life groups the bread and butter of our church. It's this right here. People get to know your name. You get to know somebody's name. And it is a beautiful thing to be known. It's a beautiful thing when when you're not there and people look around and say, hey, where are they at? And they name you because they know you. We don't do that here. Because here it's easy to hide. And so what I'm challenging everybody to do, again, this is our next series. If this is your next, I'm challenging you, take your next. I'm challenging you as a church. I'm challenging us as a people. Let's raise the level of commitment that God's people have in our lives. And listen, if it's just an option, I'm telling you, I'm challenging you, raise it up in your life. Go ahead and raise it up. Maybe you're here today and you used to come to Summit a lot more than you currently do. There's all kinds of things getting in the way now. You're not nearly as committed as what you used to be. I want to say something right now that I said early on when we launched Summit and it just caught a lot of traction. It's been a long time since I've said this, but remember this. Listen to me if you're listening to this on podcast. I want you to get this. The more that you miss church, the harder it is to come back. Anybody agree with that? You can clap. I'm going to get real serious. I'm going to get real serious. It has ticked the devil off that you have come today. Did you know that? He is furious. Next week, he will give you an excuse to not come. And then the week after that, and then the week after that, and then the week after that. He is always going to give you an excuse. And the more that you miss, the harder it is to come back. So maybe you're there and you're saying, you know what, I need to raise my level of commitment. I need to get back involved like what I used to be. There's no better way to do that than to join a life group. In fact, when you came in today, when everybody walked in the door, you got this sheet. And all you've got to do to sign up for a life group is you take the connection card that was in the chair that you sat in, there's a place on that card. If you put the number to the group that you want to be in, boom, you signed up for the life group, just show up. If you want to be in Jonathan Jett's life group, there's the information, put number two. If you want to be in our Knott County life group, they meet tomorrow night. Number three, the women's life group. Number four, hey, single guys, I don't know if there's any single ladies in the women's life group, check it out, go, go, right? We're going to kick you out. Just saying, just saying, like if you've seen a girl here that's worshiping Jesus in an attractive way, maybe she's in that group, ask her out. Number five, 
Number five, in his image group, there's that one. R.W. Combs is Tuesday night. That's number six. Men's life group. Again, hey, all the single ladies, there's, there's that group for you. You can check that out. Yes, that, you're, that, the Beyonce uh, solo is free. You can sign up, put that on there. Hey, you know what? If you're not in a group, here's this. If you're not in a life group, on the back of that sheet, those, group number one and group number eight, they're not in existence right now, so don't put that down, but two through seven are. Hey, if you're not in a life group, I'm starting one this Wednesday night at 6.30. It's the first time that it meets in the forum in the Summit Kids area. If you're not in a life group, I'm inviting you right now. You can put number eight on the back of your card, and that's you signing up for my group. I'm starting it this Wednesday night at 6.30. If that's your next, take your next. We got a VIP luncheon right after that. If you want to know if you and your family should get plugged in here, why don't you stick around for that? Discover Summit is in just a few weeks. That's where you can officially join Summit, become a partner. Why don't you sign up for that on the back of your connection card? But here's this. You and I will never become the people that God wants us to be apart from people around us. Because here's what I know. Here's what I know. Every one of us in the room right now has a burden. There is something in your life that weighs you down, and you would love to get rid of it, and the weight is overwhelming. And I want to say to you that you do not have to carry the weight of that burden alone. Some of you, the weight of the burden, the burden that's in your life, it's sin. And you need to give your life to Jesus today. That's why God brought you, because you need to become a Christian today. And the way that you can become a Christian is right there in, you, in your seat. You just pray and ask Jesus to forgive you, come into your life, and save you. And he promises to do it. Summit, let's pray together right now. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I just pray right now for every, every, every single person that's in this room. I know there's a lot of burdens in the room. Every teenager's got a burden. Every, every parent, every man, every woman, every, every, every person in the room's got a burden. And God, it's not your plan for us to carry that burden alone. That's why you brought us today. Because you want us to be in a room where we can look around and be surrounded by people and, and what connects us is you and what Jesus has done for us. That is our connection. We are the people and the family of God. And God, family is supposed to be together. Family is supposed to have each other's back. Family is supposed to care for one another. So God, I pray for every burden that's in this room and every person carrying that burden. Help them to know that they do not have to carry that burden alone. And God, if there's somebody in this room today and their burden is that they don't know you, they're not a Christian, I pray right now they give their life to you. Listen to me, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you want to give your life to Jesus today, you want to begin a relationship with him, the Bible says that we've all sinned, that we're broken, but Jesus came so that we can be forgiven for our sin. We can have a relationship with him. That's why you were made. That's why you're here. And today, if you want God to come into your life and to save you and to forgive you from all of your sin, your past, your present, and your future, if you want to be made brand new today, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I just invite you to pray this prayer along with me. If you want to become a Christian today, these aren't magic words, but I just want to try to help you put into words what God is doing in your heart. If you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, pray this with me today. Dear Lord Jesus, 
forgive me for my sin, come into my life and save me. Make all things new inside of me. Jesus, I want to live for you from this moment forward. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, listen, if you just prayed that prayer, Jesus always wants us to tell somebody about it. And I'm going to count to three. And if you prayed that prayer today, or if you made the decision to give your life to Jesus, I want you to indicate that by raising your hand into the air as soon as I say three. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now if you gave your life to Jesus or you want to become a Christian today. Raise your hand right now. Listen, if you are making that decision today, I want you to look at me. If you are making that first-time decision to give your life to Jesus, look at me. This is for you today. These two books, these, this Bible, and we've got a book for you called Seek First. All we want you to do is take that connection card, and on the back of that card, check the box that says, I gave my life to Christ. And on your way out, give that to somebody, and we'll give these two books to you so that you can begin the process of the most important thing that you've ever done, start a relationship with Jesus. Now let me talk to everybody that's in here. You've got a relationship with Jesus. You're a Christian, but you've got a burden. There's a burden weighing you down in your life. There's something that concerns you. Man, there's something that's giving you anxiety, something that's keeping you up late. You have a burden. If you are here today and you'd say, Mark, I've got a burden. Will you pray for me right now? Raise your hand right now in this room. Raise your hand right now. Hands are going up all over. Hands are going up all over. I want to challenge you to do something today. God doesn't want you to carry that burden alone. There are people in the back of this auditorium right now who simply want to pray with you. And if you just raised your hand or you didn't, you'd say, man, I've got a burden. I want somebody to pray with me. I want you to get up out of your seat and make your way to the back of the auditorium right now. Just go. Get up right now. If you just raised your hand or if you didn't, you say, man, I'm struggling. I got an issue. If that's you, get up and go right now. Don't miss your opportunity if I'm talking to you today. You take advantage of this if that's you. Dear Jesus, right now, right now, God, I just pray for every person in the sound of my voice, God, that you would just move in our lives. God, I pray that there would be people who would take the step to join life groups. I pray that, God, there would be people who would take the step and raise the level of importance that your people have in their lives. If it's an option, I pray that it come up to a priority. Father, I pray that, Jesus, you would help us to connect with one another, Jesus, so that we can help each other become the people that you want us to be. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done today. In your name, amen. Hey, Summit, let's praise God for the privilege to be the family of God today. Let's praise Him for that. And here's what you can do. Here's what you can do today. If you want to join a life group, if you want to sign up to be a part of the VIP luncheon, any decision you've made, on the back of that card, check that card. Do it right now. There are guest service volunteers all over this lobby. You just drop it in those baskets on your way out today. If you are planning to stick around for the VIP luncheon, give us 15 minutes to set it up in the kids' area, and then we're ready to go back there, all right? Hey, guys, listen. Love you guys. Next week is going to be a great week in the next series. Don't miss it. Let's all stand up. Let's all stand up. Make plans to be back next Sunday. Hey, love you guys. You're dismissed. God bless you. See you guys next week.
okay. Hey yo! Hey yo! No! 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 Okay. Hey, buddy, what's going on, man? Hang on here. Oh,